0: Now, the Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. I'm your host here every week, bringing you tips, education, and updates on home related matters. If you're in the real estate market thinking of buying and selling, or if you are looking for upgrading ideas, tips, decorating stuff, this is a great place to be. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, JP Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wells and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole home show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. It's my... It's my pleasure to be your host here every week, and I have been for four years and over 200 episodes. Uh, I myself, I've been selling real estate here in Greater Victoria for 30 years. I've handled hundreds of transactions in our fair city. I'm proud to be ranked as one of the top producing REMAX agents in Western Canada, and I'd be pleased to help you as well, too. If you need an opinion or thoughts or want to talk about the market or maybe your A to B plans, where are you going to go next? feel free to give me a call. I'll be happy to chat with you. You can find my contact information and the rest of the whole home show team members by visiting the cfax1070.com website. You'll find the whole home show there and all of our contact information is there. Or you can always just reach out. Uh, Google Tony Joe Real Estate, Tony at primeteam.ca. Happy to chat with you. Always love hearing from our listeners and always happy to introduce you to our show partners. Today we're going to be having a conversation about the CRD, the Capital Regional District, what it does, what some of the services are, how it integrates with the 13 municipalities here in Greater Victoria, but specifically today we're going to have a focus on environmental protection, we'll be talking about things like wastewater, septic systems, Um, the treatment uh, plant that has gone in recently, and uh, other things as well, too. For instance, uh, some energy uh, on the climate front, some uh, new uh, initiatives the CRD is moving forward with. I'm really excited to have a conversation with the Senior Manager for Environmental Protection at the CRD, Glenn Harris. So many great things the CRD does here in the region. We always start by having a conversation about what's going on out there, uh, getting messages or uh, updates from our listeners. If you have a story or a question or want to have a conversation about anything real estate related uh, here in Greater Victoria, just reach out to us. Again, visit the cfax1070.com website to find the whole home show. Reach out to me. Give us a call, as many of you often do. Uh, Be happy to chat. Now. Something that's been coming up a lot recently is, you know, we know it's an ongoing saga right now. There is no inventory. It's hard to find properties. There is a demand that continues. We still have multiple offers. We still have bidding wars. Uh, People aren't putting their properties on the market. We've talked about this before in past. Not that they don't want to move. It's just that people get the impression they know that it's not going to be difficult to sell their home, but they don't want to sell their home until they know where they're going to because nobody wants to be homeless, right? We get the conversation or the question quite often. And I know all realtors get this question too. And that is, well, if we can't find a home, let's build something. Let's build a home. Well, first thing to consider is uh, the, the struggles and issues that are happening with the supply chain and with labor shortages right now. So I don't even want to get into that right now. Contractors are booked years in advance, hard to get contractors, um, uh, to, uh, to get anything going in a timely fashion. It's just the nature of the market right now and what's going on out there. Um, but even if you did, even if you had a contractor lined up and ready to go, the trick is finding that piece of land. There's not a lot of land out there. I had somebody ask me a couple of weeks ago, how come there's not more land for sale? Well, you know, we are a pretty small community when you think about it. Geographically, when you look at the map, there's not a lot of space. There's no sprawling space out there for people to, uh, to expand to, you know, I, I often say when I, I, I often say when I go to Calgary, when I'm approaching in the airplane, I'm always looking for the first house, you know, the very, the last house in the Calgary area. And the reason why I do that, it's just a little game that I play uh, myself. And that is, I know that the next time I go to Calgary, the rings will open up. All they do is they open up the city limits and they grow more. I was having a chat with somebody uh, who lives in Airdrie outside Calgary. For any of you Calgarians there, I remember not that long ago, Airdrie was like, oh my goodness, that's so far away. Who would want to live there? Well, guess what? It is now one of the um, uh, areas of Calgary. That's what happens, but we don't have that here in greater Victoria. There's no place to go to. All of the growth has been in the West shore, uh, Lankford, Colwood, um, Souk as well. But, you know, we are widely built out, you know, in the years that Victoria has been around, uh, everything has been built. So really the only option that people have nowadays are looking at uh, taking down old houses and building new, or what they call um, infill houses, you know, things that are to subdivide lots, you end up having your new home amongst, you know, an established area, uh, things like that. So, you know, having a client that is looking for a house to build on, they are having to look at uh, older houses, maybe that are in disrepair, need to come down, You have to know, though, that you're paying for the highest and best use for that house. Every seller right now wants to capitalize on the market that we have right now. It's the strongest market that we've had on record. It's unlikely to be like this any time in the near future, really and truly, right? And um, sellers know, okay, I've got this house, say in Oak Bay, and it needs a lot of work. Well, there's going to be a lot of demand for people that will come in. They're not going to tear the house down. What they're going to do is they're going to renovate it. There's a great renovation market out there. People are upgrading their homes. Um, so, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to find a vacant piece of land and pay the land value for it. You're going to be paying for the improvement, regardless of the fact whether or not you're going to be taking it down uh, or not. So, you know, we've got availability which is a problem right now. We've got the ability to, um, uh, if you do have the ability ability to buy, you're gonna have to take the house down. You're paying for something you're taking down. There's other costs involved too, right? Talk to your contractor. There are uh, demolition and removal costs. Uh, There's also, of course, hazardous material Uh, 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 recycling and disposal costs, which we didn't have before, you know, there's all these uh, issues and concerns out there health uh, uh, concerns of uh, staff and and labor and things like that. Uh, So many things to consider. And of course, each municipality has uh, different rules, regulations, uh, zoning bylaws. Uh, You know, if you have the desire to build a house of a specific size or square footage you have to make sure that the lot is going to support it and the zoning supports uh, and a number of other things as well, too. Do you want to build a suite? If you do, you got to be looking at a municipality that allows suites because there are a couple in Victoria that still do not Right? so many things to consider. But again, I wish I could say that we could find you vacant land and you can build on, uh, there's that old saying, they don't make any more. They're not making any more land. And that is very much true of Victoria. It's one of the reasons why, our town is becoming more vertical. We're seeing a lot more properties uh, um, in the high-rise department uh, because of the fact that um, land is at a premium here in Greater Victoria. This is what happens when we're a place that people want to move to. And I know, you know, many of our listeners right now uh, have come from another place, you know, um, have been attracted to Victoria, you know, whether it's uh, weather, whether it's the air, whether it's the lifestyle, uh, so many things. And that's what brings you here. But, you know, unfortunately, we're not like Calgary. We can't just open up those city limits and build more houses and produce more. Um, Speaking of all those things I just talked about, by the way, you know, all those positive attributes, those are things that are overseen by the CRD, the Capital Regional District, which is uh, basically the body that um, works with all 13 of the municipalities to deliver services. You know, there's parks, there's uh, all of these things. And before we get into it, I just want to uh, direct you, if you're ever curious, go online, visit uh, crd.bc.ca and learn about all the neat things that the CRD does in our community here. Not the least of which is managing things like uh, water services um water conservation um waste disposal and all of these things uh which you know we we flush things down the toilet we never think about where they're going but we're going to learn about that today because uh when we take our first break here when we come back we'll be having a visit with glenn harris who is senior manager for environmental protection at the crd i'm looking forward to this conversation there's always so much more that i can learn as well too from the crd um, but Got to take our first break right now. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Greater Victoria, of course, is a place that so many people have come to, and I can't believe it. Our population has grown. I remember it when this was a 250,000-person town. The numbers now look somewhere around the 425,000 range. And often when we get people moving into town – they uh, you know they learn about the fact that we have 13 distinct municipalities in greater victoria you know we've got city of victoria oak bay machos langford colwood Esquimalt, view royal all of them and they encompass this thing called the capital region so today we're having a conversation about many of the services that the capital regional district provides. But I want to give you all a quick little recap about exactly what the CRD is, especially for those who are newer in town. And you know, I know what it is. I don't think I would do the uh, definition justice. I'm just going to read off a couple of quick things from the CRD website, which you should visit crd.bc.ca. The CRD was incorporated in 1966 to provide regional decision making on issues that transcend municipal boundaries and to enable effective service delivery to re- residents regionally, sub-regionally, and locally. So today, the CRD is the regional government for all 13 municipalities in three electoral areas on Southern Vancouver Island and the Gulf Islands, uh, serving all of the people here in Great Victoria. So it's my pleasure today to introduce our guest. He is the Senior Manager for Environmental Protection at the CRD, uh, Glenn Harris. Glenn, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tony. No, I'm glad to be here. It's great. Yeah. I, you know, there's so many things that the CRD, uh, encompasses, uh, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. Cause there's so many things that you cover. Tell us about your role and what is it that you oversee?
1: Yeah. So, um, we provide a lot of the environmental context to a lot of the services. So you think about the CRD, you think about, uh, wastewater management, you think about our drinking water. We've got phenomenal drinking water service. We think of the regional park system. We all enjoy, especially through this last couple of years of COVID, um, We've got housing we're doing the hospital board um, and we provide well over 200 different services some regionally and some sub-regionally to those 13 municipalities and three electoral areas you just described so a large part of what my team does division of staff is to provide sort of the regulatory environmental scientific context for a lot of this stuff and to do a lot of the outreach to homeowners around just being living green being more aware of our impact on the environment and helping to build as, as we say, healthy communities in a healthy environment.
0: You know, and this is one of those things that I think maybe people sometimes forget about, you know, you, you move into a home or even a strata, there are responsibilities about taking care of your systems. Right. And, sure. you know, uh, thinking about things like wastewater and storm uh, uh, water and, you know, if ever there's a time think about these things it's kind of now because it's it's been a crazy season out there weather wise
1: right yeah absolutely and we see a lot of backyards collecting a lot of water we've seen the floods and the impact on that and a lot of what the crd is trying to channel a lot of water into pipes and out and be treated or managed through our system into the municipal systems we work tightly with the local governments to make sure that our pipes and their pipes are all working together um but that's a big part of what we do for sure and also trying to daylight it and respect the natural environment and a lot of you know Water flowing and 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 infiltrating the ground and and uh, just trying to manage that quality and the quantity of water flow. Yeah, you're right. Right now is a perfect time to be thinking
0: about this. Well, let's let's chat about let's chat about this a little bit. This household source control. So um, t- tell us about that. What what are things that listeners need to know?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we always look at source control as sort of the first step in wastewater treatment, and so um, we've got campaigns and we're trying to promote this idea that really the only thing that should be going down the pipes are the three P's, the pee and the poop and the paper, and that's it. And yet um, we still see, uh, you know, moving on flushables, flushable wipes. Uh, those are a challenge. A lot of uh, fat, soil, and grease. That's a huge issue for our maintenance of our pipes and the operations that these pumps that get plugged up with these fat bergs and, and uh, what have you. A lot of microplastics, a lot of uh, medicine. So people don't finish off their medication or they have pets that don't finish off their medication. We don't want to see it flushed down the toilet. We want to see a proper return to, uh, to a pharmacy or to a vet clinic. So all those things, we're trying to just encourage people to be aware of, um, th- essentially, that the toilet is not a, a, a garbage pail. And so um, when we think about disposing, even something simple, Tony, is uh, uh, contact lenses. So we saw a study recently that 50 million people in the United States, for example, wear contact lenses. You wouldn't think about it. That little bit of plastic and often people in those daily disposables Throw them into the toilet and off they go into the environment and they add up, you know, 50 million disposable. And so it's the same thing on a slightly lesser scale in Canada. Uh, Those plastics that are going down the toilet, they cause a maintenance issue and ultimately they can cause an issue in the environment. It all adds up yeah absolutely. Yeah.
0: Oh, actually, you know you, you you bring up the household fats and all that kind of stuff. I saw a gruesome video online several months ago. I can't, I can't remember if it was the UK or in the US or something and there they had unlodged this massive plug in <laughs> yep. the in the system. I didn't even think about that. I'm like, oh my goodness that's that's gross.
1: Like, yeah. That was, I know they're everywhere. London was the most famous one. It was massive. It was six to eight feet in diameter and it was plugging up these huge pipes. And so, yeah, that's the issue. And you don't think about it a little bit of grease after you finish, or a little bit of oil into the the sink and off you go. But it just adds up when you think, as you said, 425,000 residents in the region now, um, all contributing a little bit at a time. It can add up and the pinch points are often around our pump stations and that. And then we see it coming out into the environment through the end of pipe well, well that
0: is a problem though you know I, I i appreciate what you said you know thinking that the toilet is another uh, waste disposal which it shouldn't be i i think i think it's just easy people forget about the fact that there are consequences down the line right yeah absolutely yeah
1: out of sight out of mind kind of stuff and you think oh my little, you know it's this it's the dental floss everyone rather than just throw it in the garbage pail in your kitchen or in bathroom yeah. it goes in the toilet Those strings add up and that's what's closing up these pipes and puts a lot of um, extra costs on us in terms of staff time to unplug that and then maintenance issues and causing
0: overflows and issues and that. So all this stuff adds up for sure. Well, the other one that had a fair amount of news coverage a while ago was those, um, especially during COVID, those uh, antiseptic wipes.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: people wipe the toilet and they just, they flush it. And those
1: are things that are apparently bad. Yeah, they don't, they promote them as flushables, but they're really not, they're not breaking down. And um, I know if we get to talking about the onsite, the septic systems, you know, even the type of toilet paper you use can have an, you know, an issue if they don't break down quickly. And so those flushables, you know, there's baby wipes, facial wipes, disinfecting wipes, even the personal hygiene wipes, they're really not meant to go down the toilet.
0: Yeah. Now, the CRD does have materials and remind. I've seen brochures about what not yeah. to fly, what to flush, and what not to flush. I think that was a great time to remind our listeners um, find them, go to the CRD uh, website and educate yourself uh, on these things because we all got to do our part. Right? That's right.
1: You can Google it. Yeah. Just sort of search word, whether it's uh, septic or on site or uh, source control, all that will bring you to our website, uh, as you mentioned, crd.bc.ca, and you can get all that information. And so, we're at, we're pushing the idea of flushables right now because of our new treatment system we put a lot of money into that project. And so we want to make sure it's operating as best as it can and so the flushables are a huge issue that and the fat soils and greases those are the two main things that are impacting our wastewater systems. Mm-hmm. And we've got eight eight treatment plants across the region it's not just the big one here in the core that we see down on the inner harbor, but all of them are
0: impacted by these uh, materials. I, want to, I do want to get deeper into the new system uh, after, sure. our, after our break here, but let's, for the remainder of, of, of uh, this time right now, let's just chat really briefly about freshwater, though, because you mentioned the CRD manages that. Something that people often comment when they come to Victoria is oh my goodness, the, the water quality here is
1: fantastic absolutely we have some of the nicest water anywhere in the world absolutely and we take a lot of pride in it i think the region takes a lot of pride in it you know we're lucky that so many of the citizens here we're all kind of committed to looking after the natural environment this surface water we have out at the souk reservoir pristine water we have a multi-barrier approach i won't go and go into as much detail as you want but it's a multi-barrier approach the big thing is about protecting the watersheds so we have you know the 10,000 hectares protected around the souk reservoir and we bought the leach watershed which is another 10,000 hectares that water is protected so we're not worrying about any contamination we manage it for fire uh, protection and uh, it's well and so then we have a treatment system we have a well designed system uh, my teams are quite involved in the not only the water conservation aspects so of conserving the water but also um, managing uh, water quality and reporting out on it and uh, making sure a cross connections. so that's something we can chat about too. cross connections, making sure that water doesn't flow from households or businesses into our drinking water system when there's a break in the system. So Great. Uh, we, well,
0: yeah, there's so much to talk about. We need to take our, uh, a break here, though. We're having a chat with Glenn Harris, who's a senior manager for environmental protection at the CRD. And yeah, I have to say, Glenn, on behalf of people who have told it to me um people move to this town from toronto from vancouver and they go oh my goodness the tap water here is fantastic and i take it for granted because i'm from here but (laughs) i I understand it's the truth absolutely i
1: grew up here too as well tony and uh it's it's a great system and the more you travel the more you appreciate we have a phenomenal water system that we need to protect and look after and maintain and i think we do a good job of that
0: fantastic well listen need to take our uh, uh break here we'll be back in just a moment Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellis, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction or anything around your home, give any of the whole home show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. As a reminder, you can find their contact information by going to the cfax1070.com website, look under shows, and there you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. Or reach out to me, Google me, find me. I'd be happy to connect you. Uh, You can also find all of our past episodes uh, podcasted on iTunes or Google Play. Just look up the whole home show and you can download all 220 episodes. So much great content and material, including today. We're having a great conversation today. I am learning more about the CRD, the Capital Regional District. uh, And our guest today is Senior Manager for Environmental Protection, Glenn Harris. Glenn, thanks again for coming. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be here, Tony. You know, for the longest time I I had people, I had people come to Victoria and go, it's such a beautiful place. It's fantastic. But how can you guys pipe raw sewage out into the ocean? And of course, that has been changed as of the past few years. We've got some new systems in place here, right?
1: That's absolutely true. Yeah. No, when I was a grad student or undergrad student here, I mean, that was a big debate. I mean, there was a school thought you were just putting a lot of nutrients out there. We're just fertilizing the ocean. But I think as we started to understand that came that wastewater was a lot of contamination and a lot of
0: other things that we knew we needed to move forward with treatment. Well, it was a big spend as well. I mean, it uh, it's a a lot of money, but uh, it's the region's way of doing its part for the environment and uh, basically entering the 21st century, right? That's right. Yeah, no, three quarters of a billion dollars is a lot of money. It was nice that, you know, this year
1: we sort of announced that we came in on budget, on time with it. That's a pretty phenomenal coup, especially when you see other jurisdictions struggling with the costs and timelines and that. So we're quite proud of that. And uh, yeah, we've got, uh, as I said, we've got eight treatment systems across the province. This is the, the big one we built was for the core area. So I'm sure your listeners know that that refers to the municipalities down in the core area and the Western communities. And so we've got this state-of-the-art treatment plant that should
0: keep us going for many, many years. Yeah. Now, not every home is connected to a sewer. And again, this is something else that we bring up a lot with people who are moving into town. In fact, uh, people find it strange to know that the West Shore wasn't serviced by sewer until, I don't know, what was it, like f- 15 or 20 years ago or something. Uh, all, right, yeah. all, the is, all the growth has happened since then. Um, something else that the CRD takes care of is... Um, uh, what do we call it? on-site uh, uh, sewage, right? That's right.
1: Septic systems, we called it. Yeah, yep. for sure. And we think there's about 28,000 in the region still. And I grew up in Machoza and I grew up on it with a septic system. And uh, But you're right, the West Shore where the growth is happening, they're slowly sewering more and more of the development, but there's a lot of existing ones and as well as on the
0: peninsula as well. Well, there, and there are some tips or directions that the CRD uh, prescribes for owners on how to handle, because a septic system is very different than, than a sewer system, of course.
1: Absolutely. And it needs, and to protect the environment and to protect the homeowner. I mean, we see a a well-functioning septic system as a real estate asset, right? You want to, you know, when you sell the property, you want to make sure that that system's working properly. Um, All homeowners are considered wastewater operators under the Island Ministry of Health uh, guidelines and regulations. And so... We want to look after it to make sure that they're operating properly and not discharging uh, uh, unwanted waste to the environment, as well as just functioning for for the proper functioning of the house.
0: Yeah, there. I mean, there's uh, again materials the CRD has. Uh, septic savvy is uh, is something that comes to mind. Even the real estate board actually has uh, has a course that they've put on for realtors uh, because it is something that uh, people need to need to understand uh, a lot more. Um, I mean there are things that you're not supposed to put down a septic uh, uh, system that's right yeah, yeah. And, and it's
1: sort of the same things that we worry about going into the main pipes that for the, our sewer system that going out to the treatment plant it's again it's those three p's of pee poop and paper and even the type of paper uh, i was reading an, a little uh, blurb on one of the pages that it talks about you can find out if you've got the right toilet paper it was a i'll just tell, share with you quickly it sort of said you know take four sheets of your toilet paper put it in a Tupperware container with a lid and add two thirds water, shake it gently for about 10 seconds and then have a look at it. And if it's kind of broken down, then, you know, that's actually a really good toilet paper for your system. And if it hasn't, you know, just sit with it and just see how long it takes for that toilet paper to dissolve Um, and gives you a sense of, you know, that's what you're adding to your septic system, which, you know, separates out the solids from the liquids. Those liquids then go into a a distribution system, and then just percolate through the environment, and you know, get polished and cleaned, and off, everything works fine. Yeah. Uh, but it's just something as simple as just the right type of toilet paper. I know, with my teenager kids, you know, no shortage of volume of that stuff, and they want the three ply, the four ply. <laughs> it adds yes. up, especially when we're promoting low flush system toilets. Uh, or, um, yes. Now, because we're trying to conserve water to protect our drinking water source, um, it just kind of combines to put a little bit more stress on these systems
0: yeah i actually uh as you brought that up that's important as well because you know every once in a while we bump into older homes with uh toilets from the 70s yeah. and um i look at them and go holy cow that's a lot of capacity they're like yeah. oh, 15 liters or something yeah, of, right. of, of water and that's just for the flush. and today what are they they're 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 like a fraction of that yeah three you know three to four four you know, and you get the dual flash,
1: so you get, uh, you know, even a change there as well. So, yeah, I know with the new step code and the building code coming on, they're requiring people to upgrade their, uh, their fixtures, but you're right, there's still a lot of older homes in the region and they're slowly being renovated um, and trying to reduce the amount of water, but that has an impact on just the amount of water flowing into the systems.
0: Yeah, you know, you've really got me thinking, uh, we're having this conversation today. I mean, this is, this is an area that I think people just take for granted. I mean, you, you, you go to a restaurant, you go, you know, to a hotel or something, and you leave the water running and stuff. And, you know, yeah. we don't think about our own, you know, our own homes and, and, and all that, right? Because getting yeah. back to the septic thing, you know, I've heard from people before saying, well, it doesn't matter what I put down because it's going to be collected in the, um, you know, in the tank, and then we just get it pumped out. Well, it's not good for your system. Well, that's it. And the the biggest thing how those systems work is that healthy
1: bacteria, the coliforms that are in there, that's what's breaking down all that organic material. And if you're throwing chemicals in there, so we really promote on our website as well. And as do others, these green products to actually for cleaning, you want the minimum number of chemicals going into that system as possible, but also all the other stuff that won't break down. I mean, we've even seen kidder litter, you know, it's common going down. All the other things, you know, and talk about plastics going in there. People don't think about the bacteria need to break down that organics so the system can work properly. And so you don't have that material flowing out into the distribution system. You don't start plugging up those things, the system itself. And so, yeah, we do take it for granted. You know, where I saw it, Tony, is if, I don't know if people have just traveled, you know, you do a vacation rental in the Gulf islands and all that, they're on septic systems. Those homeowners are so ultra conservative. You know, there's all those cute little signs about what I'm putting down the toilet, but it's really for all, all of us. I mean, uh, we're all responsible for those septic systems that we have. And like I say, there's a lot in the region still.
0: Hey, actually, yeah, you, uh, um, I appreciate that because, you know, we're used to seeing those uh, limit your shower to two minutes, Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, along with the toilet is a bucket for, you know, the other stuff, right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and it's been that way on the Gulf Islands as long as I remember. And uh, you're right, those are people that seem to be a little more attuned to this. But that doesn't relieve us in the CRD of our responsibilities for this massive system that we have, um, right?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, in the Gulf Islands, and we work and support the Gulf Islands, Southern Gulf Islands, Salt Spring, um, you know, their water issues in the summer are are pretty uh, significant and they're on those septic systems. And so they're just more in tune to limited resources. But as our region grows here on the main part of Southern Vancouver Island, we're starting to we want to be ahead of that now and we're lucky the citizens you know the people in the region are are smart they're well educated they care about the environment typically and so we've got a lot of uptake about some of the messages we're promoting and a lot of homeowners are you know three steps ahead of us already anyways so
0: um and the going back to the fresh water so the souk reservoir um, that was that was heightened or expanded a few years back or something. That's right, right. 2007, I think it was yeah.
1: okay or maybe before, just a little bit before yeah, 2007. And so we added a lot more capacity. We do a lot of demand management monitoring to know wait how much what's the demand curve? Do we have lots of water for the growth of the region? and, and it looks like we're in pretty good shape. Um, the issue so I can say on the weekend we actually filled the reservoir. It's the first oh. time we've done it this early ever since with the raising. Rain with the rains and yeah. you got no surprise to anybody. And so we're spilling like a month earlier than normal. That's how much water we've got now. And so we'll have a full reservoir until April or so. And that's when supply uh, or demand exceeds supply and we'll see the reservoir level going down. And so it's, last year It was funny, despite our heat dome and the hot summers, we were right in the, in the normal range for where our reservoir levels were. So we're doing pretty good about managing it. We continue to push the, uh, the messages around water conservation. Uh, you know, strive for five and and limit your showers It's five, right? And turn off taps and just be considerate of of using that water. And uh, I think we're in good shape
0: moving forward into the future. Fantastic. Well, listen, we need to take our last break of the day. We're having a conversation with Glenn Harris. He's senior manager for environmental protection at the CRD. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe, Having a conversation with the CRD right now and Senior Manager for Environmental Protection, Glenn Harris. Glenn, thanks again for coming. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure, Tony. Thank you. We have covered so much today. We've talked about wastewater management. We've talked about uh, freshwater. We've talked about uh, septic systems in people's homes. Uh, Just before the break, though, you touched on one thing that actually uh, I didn't really think about until just then, and that is... Um, despite the fact that we had a lot of heat over the summertime, we didn't seem to have an issue with water, um, you know, water rationing and stuff that we have had in the past few years. So um, things seems like things have changed a bit.
1: That's that's right. Yeah. Before we raised the dam, you know, we we're getting pretty close to the summer capacity of the, the supply that we could be able. To, and that was the impetus for the CRD to go and raise the dam as it did in the early 2000s. And then that also spurred the, uh, the board to think about purchasing another watershed next door, the Leach watershed, to secure future uh, sources of supply if we need that you know, 100, 200 years from now kind of thing. So pretty proactive and pretty uh, pretty good management, I would say. Well, and,
0: I, and I, said at the, <laughs> I said at the very beginning that uh, this town is growing. So as there is more people coming into the CRD here, there's going to be more capacity. There's going to be more demands on the system. Uh, that's That's all really important, right? Absolutely. You know, and it, we, start, we talk about from a climate perception,
1: perception of being more uh, resilient for our region, so growing more food locally, our agriculture is going up. We all know the beautiful gardens we all have uh, that grow. I was mowing my lawn two weeks ago. It's, uh, so we have a longer growing season coming. Yeah. And uh, between that and agriculture and the growth of the population, as you said, we're going to see a continued demand for our water.
0: So, and there are some initiatives moving forward here um, on that climate front. Uh, Could you share uh, some of these things that you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: I can speak from the board's perspective, and then we can just have a more general conversation. But uh, in 2019, the board declared a, a climate emergency and said, you know, we're aware of climate and the impacts it's going to come to our region, and we need to start showing some action. And so staff took that and developed a new strategy. For the region, it was adopted unanimously uh, this fall, and now we're uh, we're talking to the municipalities who contribute to the service, the regional service, the climate action service, to provide the funding that we can implement the next stage of that strategy. And a lot of it uh, focuses on just decarbonizing or reducing our dependence on fossil fuels in the region. We know that uh, transportation, buildings, and to lesser extent, some our waste management are really contributing to our carbon footprint in the region, and so. We're going to start tackling those areas with some specific programs. One of them uh, we've been doing for a little while is this conversion from oil tanks to heat pumps, electric yeah. heat pumps. Yeah. That's a big thing we promote, uh, trying to reduce the amount of uh, oil tanks in the region. And we're successful with that, and we've continued that program. The other two areas that we're going to be focusing on, one is, uh, is EV infrastructure and getting us ready for, uh, you know, a dominance of EV vehicles, Uh, electric vehicles, yeah, electric vehicles. Sorry. Thank you. Um, The province just recently announced their uh, clean BC program, and they expect that 90% of the cars being sold in 2030, which is only nine years away, almost eight uh, will be electric. And so that's as people replace their cars, they're going electric. And to do that, you need to have the confidence that we have the uh, charging infrastructure in place. And so we've just completed a, a roadmap study. We do a lot of that support for the region. In terms of, okay, what does that look like in the number of charging stations and where might they be shared and um, how we move forward. 40% of the, of the citizens here live in multi-unit buildings, stratas, and rentals. So they don't have access to a lot, like a lot of us do, to be able to put a charging station in at our single family home. So they're going to need public infrastructure charging. And so we know the federal and provincial governments are going to be investing heavily through their infrastructure programs to put those in place. And we've got ahead of it and said, okay, we kind of know where they're going to go. And we're going to start with those service agreements with rec centers and shopping malls and grocery stores and others who might be wanting to participating in providing that public space for charging.
0: Yeah, actually, it's interesting you bring up the stratus because, like, uh, the the real estate community, there's often threads in conversation about, oh, the, are this pre-existing stratus thinking about adding charging stations? Just wondering if that's an if that's a benefit, you know, if yeah. that's a value add. You know, you talked about a, a good septic system being a value add for a property, you know, which is true. This has also come up as well. You know, this whole EV conversation is really interesting. I mean, especially like in the past couple of weeks when there was issues yeah. at the gas stations and stuff. The lawn. Uh, that's right. Right. Um, and I often state, too, you don't need to go far. Like, if you go to Toronto or you go to other places, uh, they're not as prolifically electric vehicle, whereas here in the CRD, we actually are, because they're not vast distances, like uh, for commuter vehicles. They're, they are an excellent choice.
1: Right? Yeah, it's we are doing well. And if it's going to work anywhere, it's going to work here. We think right now about 2% of the cars on the road are, are electric. If we do nothing by 2030, we think it would be about 11% of the fleet. The goal that uh, the region has set and the province has set is 25%. And so that was the basis for saying, let's get that infrastructure in place so that as people move towards those targets and we really promote electric vehicle options, um, we'll have the infrastructure in place to do that. But you're right. as more supply comes on, we've been waiting. We've just put an order in for those uh, Ford F-150 Lightning vehicles.
0: Oh, yes. What, for the CRD use?
1: For the CRD. Oh, you know, my we've, goodness. Yeah. We've committed for a zero-emission fleet and, uh, you know, leadership. And it makes sense on a cost-benefit basis for the number of miles you put in and all that. It's actually, those electric vehicles are actually cheaper than the uh, fossil fuel ones. And so, it makes sense on a business case. It makes sense on a leadership point of view. The board's keen to take a leadership role, and it makes sense. But we're waiting for that supply, you know. They keep promising all these different vehicles and that. And as they come on in the next two, three, four years, I think there's going to be a big update and we want to be ready for it. So that's a big aspect of the strategy as well as getting our vehicles ready and making those changes, which will be fairly seamless. As you replace your vehicle, you'll simply move to an electric vehicle option.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So, and again, it's a reminder to our listeners about all of the things that the CRD encompasses. And um, because I'm sure a lot of people ask the question, well, you know, how, where does the water come from? And, you know, where does the sewage go? How does it work with all these municipalities? Well, it's the CRD. The CRD oversees all, you know, all of these systems and processes for the 13 municipalities. Um, but also this whole, the, the climate front, because um, it's, it's that, it's water conservation as well that we've talked yeah. about right? um, So many things. The big, the other big one I want to make sure, because I think it's relevant for your show and for the listeners,
1: is this idea of energy retrofits for existing buildings. So the step code is coming on. So the new houses will be energy efficient. That's just mandated through the building code and the step code they're referring to it, levels of efficiency. But it's the existing housing stock that needs to sort of upgrade, upgrade their energy efficiency. And so the province and the federal governments and agencies have said that's a huge priority of meeting their commitments and aligning us all with their investments in their infrastructure. And so the next few years, we're gonna see a lot of effort and promotion of uh, upgrading your energy efficiency in the house. And so part of it will be moving to heat pumps, uh, that'll be good, but there'll be other incentives going on and what the CRD is gonna hopefully do, working with all the local government partners because they have all roles to play and we have just a coordinating role. Um, We'll bring along programs that'll help homeowners be able to take advantage of all the grants and all the opportunities to update and and improve their energy efficiency, which should reduce cost savings. So there should be cost savings involved, which is really impossible, reducing your utility costs, but also getting off carbon. I think most of us wanna do that, reduce our carbon footprint, and this is gonna be a great way to do it. So it's nice to see all the levels of government aligned And we're just trying to facilitate and make sure that we're all on the same page and making things relevant for our regional citizens.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Because of course, with, with 13 players, I mean, I can't imagine if, if they all were going different directions, it's good to have this unified uh, unified message and unified front, right?
1: Yeah. The CRD does a good job. We try and really facilitate those regional conversations. So we know what everybody's doing. There's some bigger and smaller municipalities, but trying to support everyone uh, through shared interests and projects and knowledge, uh, to move forward together. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And again, I, I'm not sure if people realize uh, CRD's interest in uh, in the, the the climate front, the environmental front, but it, it all kind of makes sense. You know, it's just all part of that picture, right?
1: Yeah, and, and absolutely. I mean, local governments, certainly with their land use planning, they have a, the real touch on the communities and neighborhoods and citizens, but we can play a role in promoting what their programs are doing, providing research and information. We've just finished climate projections work. So You know, we've done the work on the sea level rise concern. That's a huge issue for the region.
0: Anyone who's close to the water is concerned about. I just had one this weekend. I had somebody say, well, wow, with the tsunami, what happens, you know, when that happens? So, yeah, that's an area of concern. Yeah, the
1: tsunami is probably less of an issue for us down tucked away and behind uh, the Olympic Peninsula, but it's an issue. But it's a slow sea level rise, you know, when you get those big storm surges and Mm -hmm. we already see a few neighborhoods sort of struggling with those king tides and those storms. But then you add sea level rise projections. There's going to be a real concern for those low lying areas around the region and so just giving local governments that knowledge then they can start planning their community development accordingly and moving infrastructure we have pump stations too close to the water, for example, they're going to need to be moved back and retreated. And so all of this comes together so yeah local governments have a role regional government has a role we all have a role and at the household we hopefully all take responsibility as well.
0: Well, and, and this is what I'm hoping has uh, caused some of our listeners to think about today with uh with our conversation is the responsibility that that we have. You know, I'm pretty happy in in the Joe household. We're pretty good with all this stuff. My kids are fantastic with recycling and knowing what to put down the toilet and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But I mean it would make sense because I, I I bump into this every day and I, I think I should know these things and and it's a reminder to everyone else, like, um, the resources are, are out there. Don't forget about what it is. The CRD does and, you know, um, play your part, right? Yeah, Glenn? exactly. And
1: we're just going to keep those remember, uh, keep reminding people about that. You know, the fat soil and greases don't just as new people come to the region as we just remind ourselves to continue good practices yeah you'll
0: continue to see those messages. i, I you know what i think that our listeners or people wondering about fat soils and greases you got to google this thing in london when oh, they yeah. un- unlodge this thing it's just, it was gruesome yeah. and it's 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 a reminder about what happens when you put stuff down everyone puts stuff down the drain that yeah. they shouldn't be you know you think about these you know 24 story uh, condos we have downtown now like there's a lot of people putting stuff down drains. Yeah, right? absolutely. And it's a cost. And so we think we're providing a public
1: service. So we're taking public dollars to maintain this. If we're doing our part, we can reduce those costs. Um, and so ultimately that's tax save, uh, savings to the homeowners, right? So that's kind of why another good benefit of just good practices. Mm,
0: yeah, because infrastructure upgrades and stuff, that's a lot of money. I mean, yeah. that's that, yeah. uh, the uh, treatment center, like you said, three quarters of a billion dollars or whatever it is. That, yeah. was, that was a lot. expensive project um glenn so if people are curious and want to learn more about what the crd does best thing to do would be
1: uh come to our website crd.bc.ca and google anything that we've talked about today it's all there we're trying to make that website more accessible and easier to find things i think we're doing a pretty good job of that Uh, we've got all sorts of campaigns and stuff and uh, programs available to people and i think they'll find it through our website for the most part we are trying other channels, but I think the website's the best way to go right
0: now. It is. And there's, you know, I visit the website quite often. and It's amazing how much information is there. And it's all broken down into all the, uh, the different areas. Um, but the bottom line, uh, folks, do your part. Do your part. It's important for, the, for our region and for the future and for our kids and all that stuff. Uh, but for me, I, I love knowing that there is a body like the CRD that is here helping all the residents. Glenn, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. It's been great. Tony, thank you. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate the opportunity. All the best to you and your family. Fantastic. And to the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.